there, and welcome to this episode of Fantasy for the Ages, the show where a father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And uh, that must make me the father, Jim, because I'm the other guy on the video. <laughs> Good to have you with us here today. Good to have Carrie with us in the Discord as well. It's always fun. We've got someone riding along Absolutely. and interacting with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach, uh, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. It's been a little while since I've seen you. Uh, t technically, I talked to you yesterday. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I mentioned, I got new glasses. You hadn't mentioned. So I'm wearing them. They don't look that crazy different on camera, but they're a clear frame with some wire stuff in there too. And it's a whole fun thing, but it works better in person. Are you I've finding learned. it's easier to get new glasses and frames because of where Rachel works? Correct. Yes. It's much easier to just be like, Hey babe, I'm gonna I'm gonna come by the store. You tell me what looks good. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to even think about it much. Just direct me in the right direction, dear. Now is that entirely true? No, because she knows I'm strangely picky about things that are mine. <laughs> but uh, yes. Okay. As for me, my goodness. Oh, it's been a full day because I had a very full week for work this week. Ooh. And so I knew we were doing a lot of content this weekend. I mean, four mm -hmm. chapters today. So Oof. I knew I needed to prep ahead of time and pace myself because I wouldn't have enough time to get this all done Saturday morning. So I, of course, didn't have any time all week <laughs> long to do any prep and had to do this all this morning and finished moments ago. So we are ready and it is all very fresh in my mind what we're going to talk about today. Nice, because it's not in mine. Because um, <laughs> I didn't give you the notes far enough ahead of time. <laughs> we are at the point where the last time I reread this is almost a year ago now, just because it takes us longer to get through these than it takes for me to read them. But I've waited. So by the time we get to Lord of Chaos, that one will be fresh again. Okay. And, and we're getting there. We're yeah. getting there. Uh, it's also very fresh, if you see in the Discord, for Carrie, because she just finished Chapter 22 this morning. So, so, Carrie, when I'm wrong, not if, when, feel free to correct me. That's right. Uh, please that's do. right. Catch Zach. You know it better than he does today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I see you're drinking something, Zach. Uh, this is the month of wine. Yes, is that it's right? February, so we are still doing wine month. So I had a rosé chilling in my fridge that had been in there for a while. Got it when the power was out and I needed something to drink. So I opened that up. Interestingly, though, it was a weird bottle, a glass stop stopper top thing. It was a pain to open. Mm. I mean, I was fighting with this thing and trying to pry a flathead screwdriver in there just to get uh -oh. leverage. This That's always horrible. would not open. <laughs> so I did not close it all the way when I put it back in the fridge. I'm humored, though, a phrase you just said a moment ago, you know, when the power was out, so I need something to drink. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's very little you can do anything about and in those situations, but you can go get booze. Notably, yeah. the power had gone out like on the 2nd of February and not a huge issue. I've got a bar if I need it, but I'm doing this thing so I can only drink wine this month and I didn't have any wine. Ah, well, I have wine as well. Since uh, I barely got the notes done, all I had time for was to go to my wine fridge, the Christmas gift from your mother, and pull out a nice chilled white table wine to enjoy. I don't know if I've seen the wine fridge yet. Have you seen the picture? I haven't put a picture on yet. I'll have to do that. Yeah, I'd like to see that. It's very nice. And I can get like uh, 15 bottles of wine in there at a so time. Like a third of the ones that need to be chilled at any given time. 
Well, actually, I chill them all now, but <sighs> it's got two zones. So ah. I've got a zone for the white and then a zone for the red where I keep it more like at 60. Ooh, look at you. you know? So bougie. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fancy. Uh, let's see. Notes before we get into things. I will just yes. point out if anyone who's watching this today, if this is the first time you've ever stumbled on our content, this probably isn't the right episode to begin with. <laughs> If you're interested, Wheel of Time, go back a little bit, you know, and work your way up to where we are. But do look at all the other content we have on our channel here, too. We've got long form and short form content, a variety of topics and things. And we'd love to have you as a subscriber. Uh, our subscribes are going up. Woo! I keep I keep joking. You know, the big milestone we shoot for is a thousand. Everyone on YouTube wants to hit a thousand subscribers. Today, we hit 170. So only 830 you know, we're more getting to go. there. You know, absolutely. People, help us out here. It doesn't hurt you to subscribe to our channel. Go ahead and click that. Like it while you're here. That's always appreciated too. But I'll also point out in the show notes all the other ways you can connect with us, interact with us, join us on Discord, just like Carrie is. <laughs> we're sure it's patience is a virtue. We're going to need to have a lot of patience, I think, to pick up 830 more. <laughs> But come see us in Discord. That's where you can really have conversations with us and a bunch of other people who love science fiction and fantasy and other nerdy stuff we talk about. And our social media places, links are mm -hmm. all there, how you can find us. There's mm -hmm. even an email address. So you can send us some one of those archaic messages that go through the interwebs. The interwebs? The, the interwebs. interwebs. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I, I don't really have any other notes of significance today, do you? Just one last question of what are you reading right now, Dad? Oh, well, if you look... Oh, no, I didn't update our background <gasps> here. It's okay, this <sighs> has been updated since the last time I've been here. So you can update it uh, well, again just, for the next one. I just updated it this morning and didn't change it. I wonder if I can change it on the fly. <gasps> okay, just I gotta try that now. There's a chance... That we are going to lose our background for the entire rest of this episode. <laughs> Bear with us. Uh, Carrie, you can't see this at all as far as I know. <laughs> She's like, what are they wasting time on? I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but I took the time early this morning to update our background. On the YouTube channel, you know, we always have what's uh, what we're reading. So I did just put some new ones on here. Because we're like done with some of these books. Totally. Most, most of the ones on there that I've read, I have finished. Did you see it switch just now? No. Okay, let me try to hide it and now bring it back. Uh, now it's something different. Yay. There we go. So I, I do have some books up here. And it reflects things that I am reading now. Mm -hmm. So off to this corner up here is the new Pern book. We're on book 12 in the... Dragon Riders of Pern series. Just Chronicles of that. Pern, First Fall. Yep. Yeah, just starting that one. Uh, very good. Then down here in the center of our screen is The Altar of My Fate, book one of the Rostival saga. Zach's got it in hard copy. It's also one of the ones that I'm working on right now. It's paperback, right? Yeah. It's a nice, and nice I'm reading it on Kindle. Uh, I'm about 30% in. It is a very different style of story than a lot of the other things you know we've been reading. The author describes it as kind of Conan the Barbarian meets Game of Thrones. I'm getting a lot of the Conan the Barbarian vibe so mm. far. Mm. Not as much of the Game of Thronesy part yet. But Maybe that comes later. 
there is some interesting magic involved uh, that he's created here that I'm kind of enjoying and learning a lot more about the intrigue and stuff that's happening. So good book. And then above you on the screen, I also have, yep, uh, Unbowed, which is book five in the Lee Hardin series. This is going back to militaristic style zombie apocalypse literature. Mm. So it's it's really a follow-up series of another book's six book series I read. So it's like book 11 gotcha. of 12 books. So I'm enjoying that one. And uh, I just finished Princeps Fury, book five of the Codex Alera by Jim Butcher. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't finish book six because I have a hold on it at the library. It wasn't available yet. So. Oh, no. I'll get there. So much good stuff to read. How about you, Zach? I know right Yeah, Altar of me. My Fate, and then hopping over right beneath you is Scott Lynch's Red Seas Under Red Skies. Still working on that? Very good. Second book in the Gentleman Bastards. I finished that. Uh, it was, oh, you did? Yeah, it was okay. very good. I finished that before I read All the Wares of Pern, our previous Pern one. Now moving on to the Chronicles of Pern. I am okay. still working on Beyond the Shadows, the third of the Night Angel trilogy. Oh, good, because book four is coming out. I know that that's coming eventually and i'm excited that there is a book four because i thought it was only ever going to be a trilogy so that's fun mm -hmm, and weird mm -hmm. and then one more thing that i've started uh the second book in the acts of cain blade of taishal by matthew stover i will need to get that up on our screen for our, our next episode because that's cool i haven't touched the acts of cain at all yet so Drew McCaffrey is out there going, whoop, 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 about time, Zachary. About I time. mean, I read the first one, and I enjoyed it. It made my top 10 of the year last year. All right, cool. That's what we've read. On Let's get to what we're reading screen. Yeah, this one. Now, right, right, the Fires of Heaven. Right, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be perhaps a longer episode, because there's a lot to it. Now, four chapters. We don't usually cover four in an episode, but it's really only the first one that's long. The other three kind of together are as long as one of our bigger chapters. So I was like, I can squeeze it in. And I think it works. Well, let's, let's just, let's do it. Quick, go through the first chapter then. Nice. We got yeah. this. <laughs> you can't just go quick through this sure first chapter. It's too much. Okay. We'll begin today with chapter 19, Memories. Memory. Aren't you going to keep singing? Nope. That's as much cats <laughs> as you get out of me. <laughs> this is a rather monumental chapter in this book. Perhaps for the series, there were some that would argue with me about calling it monumental because it's about Queen Morghese. <gasps> Not everybody's like, Queen Morghese! And we haven't had a lot of her so far. Look, Queen Morghese has a lot of impactful world stuff. And let's, yeah. let's get into that. Yeah. So we return to Queen Morghese of Andor. She's in her sitting room reading a book relaxing, chilling out, kind of disconnected still with the rule of Andor and the world events going on around her. She's kind of living in a la-la land. Remind us why this is the case, Zach. What have we seen so far? There's this funny little guy called Lord Gabriel. He's a uh, funny little guy. bad news, <laughs> not so little, really just an abusive boyfriend type, which isn't Controlling. good. Controlling. Yeah. Uh, he also might be a bad guy. I think we've been told flat out that he is a bad guy. Maybe yes. even like a Forsaken Robin. Uh-huh. We as readers know this already. She does not. She should, though. The red flags are all over the place. <sighs> totally, totally. But she's so befuddled and uh, in love that she's just missing all of this. 
so she's interrupted from her relaxation by one of her guards. One that, as she looks at him, she's like, he looks familiar. Should I, should I know him? Now, it's a surprise in and of itself that she would recognize one of her guards. Kind of. Because why? It's a surprise now to her because Lord Gabriel's been bringing so many in and transitioning so many out. We heard about this in other chapters even recently where for every one man that's getting taken out of the Queen's service, three more are getting brought in. They're all loyal to Lord Gabriel. They're not swearing to the Queen anymore. They're swearing to the throne, which is kind of sus. Um, But it's also a weird situation where like there once was a time the Queen knew all of them. So it's yes, it's weird. But this one, the name does come back to her. This is Talonvor. We've met him before. We have. All the way back in book one of the series, we met Talonvor. He's hung out with Rand. That's a loose term. He's hung out with Matt. Still a loose term. (laughs) We have seen him interacting with Elaine and Gawain. That's less of a loose term. Even Galad. And no, Galad's never loose at all. But okay, moving on. Talonvor here is clearly angry. He's coming to her and saying, I'm really surprised to see you just sitting here. And she's like, what? Why wouldn't I be? And then she's a little offended. Like, you're one of my guards. Kind of, what? That tone of voice? What's going on? And then she notices him looking at her chest. It's like, hey, eyes up here. Eyes up here. But it's a reminder that she's, Wearing very low-cut yeah. gown again. I think it's also a fair reminder that Morghese looks really good for her age. She She's hot. looks yeah, at least 10 to 15 years younger than she is. She always was attractive. She still is attractive. Mm-hmm. And since Lord mm-hmm. Gabriel's been around, she's been wearing clothes that accentuate that. Like she never did in the past. Talonvor isn't just looking, though. It's more that he's looking, and it's part of his irritation. Like, she shouldn't look like that. It's not exactly queenly. So she's feeling judged here, okay? And there's a little reaction to that. She is, yeah. And so she's like, why wouldn't I be here? What is your big deal? And he's like, the rebellion? Haven't you heard the news? And no, she hasn't heard anything. So what rebellion? And, well, the two rivers, Someone in the two rivers is rebelling. The The land is, is pulling out. Okay, what's going yeah. on out there? What news has finally arrived? The crazy thing here is what rebellion? Really, there isn't one. But there kind of is in that kind of. There's a Lord Perrin. They're raising up this situation. They're calling out Menethrin, the two rivers, kind of claiming their own independent thing again. Now, we know why. Uh, that whole mess in the two rivers that happened in the Shadow Rising, the Trollocs, that having to take care of themselves. It's not really a, we're rebelling against Andor. It's more of a, we're part of Andor? No, we're not. We're taking care of ourselves. Two rivers. That's right. That's right. And she does kind of lean into that because, okay, when she hears this, there's a rebellion out there, that does disturb her, okay? Because, yeah, the two rivers, it's part of Andor, Because there's a line on a map that says it's part of Andor. But, like, through the last four queens, they really haven't ruled the the two rivers. They haven't even sent a tax collector. 
Right, right. So many generations that it's been very loosely aligned. So what would be the big issue if they decide, you know, we're just going to do our own things out here now because you really don't care about us? The problem is precedent. Because mm. if the two rivers can up and go and become their own thing and Andor doesn't care, Andor doesn't do anything, well, what's to stop Barillon from becoming its own independent county? Whitebridge now is its own city-state, and it claims a toll that it ex it puts on people for going up and down the river. Yeah. Maybe Shader Logoth withdraws. Well, oh, well, that might be okay. I think Andor's okay not claiming that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so she recognizes this is an issue. So clearly, yeah, we got to do something about this then. I would have been on this if I'd known. No one delivered the news. And so here's, you know, Talonvor. Okay, he's delivering the news. He's getting a reaction. This is probably good on his side. He's like, you should be reacting. So she, her first reaction is, well, what about Lord Gabriel? He, he knows, right? What what has he done? He laughed. Oh, yeah, he, he did something. He laughed, right, right. He dismisses the issue. He's like, I've got more important things to do with other than that backwater. I mean, whatever. Which, on the one hand, uh, he does, but it's because he's speaking as a Forsaken, not as someone who actually cares at all about Andor. Yeah. Now, that snaps Morghese out of her indolence. And she leaves Talonvor to march right off to Gabriel and get this addressed. She finds him in one of their various courtyards in the castle. And he is surrounded by a bunch of nobility, lords and ladies of Andor, who are clearly sycophants now just sucking up to him. And she distinctly recognizes each one of them are those that were never Team Morghese. I mean, they I mean, literally were the ones who tried to oppose her becoming yeah. queen in the first place. We we have to recall and remember here, Morghese came to the throne at the end of a civil war. Mm, kind of. No, there was civil no, it, unrest that didn't quite break out into it was, war. It was verging on it could go that direction. It was pretty dang close. And she made some savvy moves to address that. We're going to talk about that a little yeah. later in the chapter. I would argue it got to the point where there weren't troops in the streets, people fighting each other civil war, but there was our game of houses civil war. People died. Things happened. It was still behind the, sh behind the scenes, but it wasn't, it wasn't clean. It was a tough time. It yeah. was not and a she, peaceful transition. To she power. was a tough lady. She did what she had to do. These were so ones that were actively, yeah, we'll talk about that too. She was actively opposed by this bunch and when she became queen and it was settled, she officially pardoned them and they officially swore fealty. Not exactly with great joy and ebullience, just kind of like, oh, fine, Queen Morghese. Okay. And now they're all here in her courtyard. Like, we're having a party. What the heck? So Morghese raises the issue of the two rivers. And Gabriel shares, oh, it, it's been dealt with already. D don't trouble yourself. Uh, I think you were going to be in your room, weren't you? During the heat of the day, just go on back, enjoy your book. You, you have no need to worry yourself, my dear. She's like, okay, first off, you're calling me my dear in front of these people? Okay, you got some nerve, buddy. Mm -hmm. But also, who's queen here? Okay, I'm the queen. You're not queen. You're not even king. I'm the queen. You and me, we're going to talk. These people, 
out of here now, or I'm exiling exiling them from Camelin. Okay, so she's she's putting her foot down. Yeah, this is more gays we haven't seen in the a real while. more gays, make the more gays that we know and uh, respect. I'm not gonna say love. Yeah, uh, yeah. She makes it clear this is gonna be addressed right now, and and Gabriel, well, he's not having any of that. He stands up. He speaks forcefully to her, telling her. Return to your room, Morgase. We'll speak of this tonight. And she feels her skin tingling. And and the next thing she knows, literally, is what? She's in a room. Nope. Almost so oh, close. She's not oh, quite. So close. Dang. Carrie, you could have corrected him. What See, what that's I one of those moments. What he I blew missed. it. He blew it. She's just outside her room, reaching for the doorknob when she it realizes pretty dang close. What the heck? She doesn't ever go in the room. This is important, yes. Zach. It's important. I mean, it's important. The order she was told, go to your room. And she's doing it. I mean, it's like he said, jump. And she said, how high? But she doesn't even remember doing it. She just went to her room. And even though deep down every part of her wants to satisfy and please Gabriel and go in her room, she stops. She holds off. She does not grab that doorknob. She's horrified that she's been so overwhelmed by a man. A man. And now she's thinking back. And when he ordered me to my room, those other sycophants were smirking and tittering. And and I just went? Okay, now. Can we cut her some slack here? She doesn't know what's going on. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Give her some slack, Zach. It's Tell us compulsion. It, this is one of the quote unquote forbidden weaves kind of things. The stuff that really shouldn't be done. But the evil people, the Forsaken, they know it. It's from the Age of Legends. It's a, a weave that controls people. Yep. And most people have no idea yeah. the Forsaken are out. No idea. No. So there's no reason she would naturally have assumed that's what's going on. We've seen things like this before. We saw it in Tanchico. This was how Mogideon made it so that our wonderful women down there that were taking care of the Black Aja uh, had no idea that they'd met with her and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. didn't do anything. But just like Nynaeve was able to kind of break through that eventually, Marquez is showing some backbone here. She is. Carrie points it out in the Discord. She is starting to break through the compulsion when she does not open that door. So in a bit of a daze, she turns away from her room, starts wandering the palace, and her mind is going over what what's going on. Okay, Gabriel, he was surrounded by those who are most against me in Andor. Is he is he planning to make a move? I mean. They were all there, so it can't be like he's working for them, because none of them would support each other. Mm -hmm. He is building his own power base. He's planning to replace me and become king. That's got to be it. That's what she comes to a conclusion of. And she's like, how could I have been so blind? So stupid. And I don't think she's necessarily wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's it. He's in charge. And yeah, seems to be setting the stage to move it into something a little more official. At this point, she realizes her steps have taken her to the quarters given over to retired servants, the pensioners. Can you explain that for us, Zach? I mean, who, who, who are these people? How did they get here? I mean, this is roughly the people who worked in service to queen and country, blah, 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 in the castle especially for so long that now they're old 
and they can't really work that much anymore and they definitely couldn't like go out and support themselves enough to have their own house and stuff and they never lived in their own housing so they don't have somewhere to go they just lived in the palace because it was their job so now they live here mm -hmm. for the rest of their decades See, even in the Wheel of Time, civil servants have a great retirement plan. I'm going to say in the Wheel of Time, civil servants have a great retirement plan. <laughs> Not all civil servants, unfortunately, have great retirement plans. Oh, I've heard good things about that. When a lot of these pensions and stuff were falling apart, the ones you could always count on were the government ones. Notably, because... I said, not all. All right, all right. These people appear... Pleased to see her. They offer her kind greetings, uh, blessings of the light. Bless you, my queen. And she realizes why she's here. Because there's one particular pensioner who is known for her wisdom. Linny. Who's Linny? Why should readers remember Linny? Because Elaine has mentioned her many times. This is someone who was more or less a nanny and nursemaid to generations of queens and future queens. That's right. That's right. She was... Elaine's nurse, but also Morghese's. And we find here also Morghese's mother. Yeah. So literally three generations of Turkhand women who she was the one that cared for them when they were young. And not only cared for them, but in many ways raised a lot of their core of who they are. Yeah, shaped their perspective on life. Because Lenny has just as much of a hand, if not more than Morghese ever did, with how Elaine is now. And we know she's also somewhat famous for her sayings because Elaine has been quoting Linny repeatedly for the past couple of books. Now, we get a reminder here that almost feels a little non sequitur, but it's not. It's foreshadowing. Mm. We won't tell you what it's foreshadowing, but we're emphasizing this is foreshadowing. Because as Morghese has entered Linny's apartment, Linny's not there. So she's looking around the room and and she fiddles with her finger where she has an Aes Sedai ring. And we're in her thoughts, we're reminded she went to the White Tower as a 14-year-old to train. And when she returned to Andor two years later to contest for the throne, the White Tower gave her the ring. So she didn't really earn the ring, she's thinking in her mind. You know, she wasn't raised to Aes Sedai or even accepted. Mm -hmm. But it's tradition that tradition. the daughter heir trains in the tower, and when they go back, even if they have no channeling ability, they get to wear a ring. It's it's a thing. But here's the key thing to note, and I'll admit, this didn't rise to my attention until this preparation. I've read this book so many times, and this one time it jumped out finally, so I'm helping our first-time readers. This should jump out to you. Carrie can tell me, really? You missed this? <laughs> While Morghese thinks to herself that she didn't exactly earn the ring, she had not gone to the tower to train like Elaine, continuing no. the tradition of daughter she heir, because she daughter wasn't heir the daughter then. heir. She went back to contest her right for the throne. Right, right. She was the heir to the house of Trakand or Trakand, or however you say it, when she trained. Mm -hmm. So she went to the tower because she's a woman who can train or at least hoped she could train in her ability to channel could theoretically she at least is force sensitive if you will yeah now when a lot of women go we've learned this a lot mm -hmm. of women go and some wash out because they they don't have any ability and they're sent on their way a she lot was there two years people two years mm -hmm. now a lot actually get turned away from the tower and even some that are there for years do sometimes funk out before they can get too accepted or 
to Aes Sedai, but it is something that can over time be learned and cultivated and grown better. The fact that then she left and they gave her a ring was also kind of a statement of the tower saying, yes, we endorse you as being the next heir to this throne. Yes, we're sending you off as daughter heir now, basically have a ring. But again, what we should infer here is the fact that she was there training for two years means she had to have some ability to channel. It's not point blank said here, but you should be able to read between the lines. There must have been something there or she would have washed out faster. I also think there's something to be said for the fact that the White Tower claims it has its own schemes and it will like interact with politics, but it's not political, really. That's a big fat lie. And this is a surefire example of that. Oh, yeah. It's saying, no, 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 they orchestrated who got the throne. Now, would Morghese, if she didn't come back to contest the throne, ever have become Aes Sedai? We don't know. No way to know. No way to know. We know that um, Moraine and Swan Sanche, they trained for many years. Mm -hmm. They trained as novices for longer than two years before they were raised. We know Elaine, you know, Maurice is very proud that her daughter was raised to accept it so quickly. You know, it is normal to take lots of years before you even progress the first level. So just, there's not a shock that she'd been training for two years and hadn't progressed yet, but it's also possible she might've trained all that time, five, yeah. 10 more years. And then they'd say, you know, my personal belief, you don't think you're ready to test. I think it's, you're just going to need to leave my personal belief. She would have washed out. And, and it's kind of supported by the fact where she says, you know, she's got the ring, but you know, didn't really earn it. It kind of gives an implication. She doesn't really see herself as a channeler. That's not really her thing. It gives a certain understanding that she probably hasn't channeled in a while. Mm, mm. But maybe a little to help like childbirth or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just like instinctual. I don't know. You know, it's uh <laughs> I don't know how this works. It's a magic thing that I don't understand. <laughs> That's wow. Okay. <laughs> well, talk, sorry. We should have talked about this in our magic episode. The practical implications <laughs> of channeling. Right? Right? So <laughs> that just derailed I broke him. completely. <laughs> uh, clearly, she doesn't think of herself as a channeler. Okay. But. We just identified the fact that she's starting to break Gabriel's compulsion on her. It may be that somebody who channels has a little more ability to break free. So maybe there is something to her that's helping her now. Who maybe. knows? That's possible. Okay, at this point, Linny walks into the room and gives Morghese a bit of her tongue. It's like, oh, now you visit, you know, and uh, they have a little snippy words back and forth. How would you describe Linny's personality, Zach? Is she the warm, affirming grandma? She's a little abrasive, but definitely in a way of like, I spanked you when you were a child. And now that you are queen, no one's ever going to talk badly to you. So I'm going to do it so that no one else, because no one else will. It's that kind of like understanding of attitude of people need to be humbled. Uh, I'm not afraid to do it. I'll do it. I'm old. What are they going to do? Kill me? Wait a couple years. It'll happen anyway. This woman has some guts. Carrie says no filter. She has no filter. I like that. Also keep in mind, the last person who told Queen Morghese what she needed to hear was Gareth Bryn, who was exiled from the city and nearly executed. <laughs> so, hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. That's a little bit of risk saying you're speaking your mind, but Lenny's a honey badger. Honey badger don't care. (laughs) Now they have a conversation then they get past the initial snips and they actually start talking and we get some details. First of all, we get that Morgase used to visit Linny once a week. Like every week she'd come by. This is a dear woman to her. And she has not been by to visit in months. Yeah. And she has no idea. She she can't even, there was no recognition she'd stopped visiting Linny. Wow. Mind is messed up. We also learned that everyone knows Lord Gabriel, he's sleeping around. He's not just Morgase and him has a, have a thing going on. No, he has at least seven other women. And at least five of them, he's provided rooms for them in the castle. That's a big this castle. This is not... A secret. This is an embarrassment. Um, one of the ones that's mentioned is Lady Altima. Who was she? Correct me if I'm wrong. She's technically from down in Tier. Yes. Yep. We had her earlier coming into the court, having talked a little with Lord Gabriel, but then having time to just sit and chit-chat like old friends with Queen Morgase. No, they weren't old friends. They'd met each other before. She's the one that's on Rand's crap list mm-hmm. because she tried to kill or almost kill her husband, poisoned him, and you know all that that stuff that went on. Already down. kind of sleeping around, but doing it as a political power play where she was trying to be in control without looking like she was in control. Yeah, yeah. And Rand totally had her number thanks to some Tom Marilyn, some Tom Foolery, if you will. Ooh, nice one. And he had sent her to Kyrian, but then she's gone off on her own. So she's over here in Andor now. And she had a nice little chat with, with Morgase. Well, apparently now she's sleeping with Gabriel because he's Oops. the power, not Morgase. Most of these women I mentioned, they've got rooms in the palace, but there's one in particular that he sneaks in and out covered in a cloak. So nobody who knows who this woman is, but she keeps meeting with him. Who might that be? We could draw an inference here sorry my brain's on a different note that i'll bring up after i need you to fill in this blank all right (laughs) he is aware of the spy from the white tower Mm. and he's already compulsed her and i think that's the one who's in the cloak he continues to bring in gives her some more bad information sends her on i don't think he's sleeping with this one Mm. but he doesn't want people to know who this is that he's meeting interesting it's a deduction i was just sitting here going i don't know about you I've been in a couple of castles. They're very fun. They're very cool. They are quite large. This is a huge palace. Like the whole complex and castle and stuff. There are so many different complexes and wings and rooms. And wow, Andor's cool, man. It's got a big, big palace. I'm having a jealousy moment here, though, as he just casually drops. I don't know about you, but I've been in a couple castles. No, I'm the one that funded sending you to Europe. I haven't been there. Still appreciate it. We'll get there together at some point. You get to show off how much of your German you still got. (laughs) Jawohl. So we looked at a river cruise in Europe. Yeah. They're beautiful and you can hit some castles and stuff. And they are so expensive. I'm like, no, I think that would be amazing. But I don't think I'm going to pay for that. There are some cheaper ways to do Europe stuff. Yeah, I'm not a hostile kind of guy. Said, okay. Yeah, they're not really a your age and style <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. We are going on a cruise to the Caribbean again next month. Nice. But then we're planning the following year to do a cruise not to the Caribbean. <gasps> 
the Mexican Riviera instead. So we'll leave out of Los Angeles and do the west the other side. side. Sail on the Pacific again. We did the Pacific once when we went to Alaska, Alaska. years ago on a cruise. But yeah, got to do that. But it would be nice to do your. You're right. <laughs> Marguerite jumped in. Away Excellent. Our, our Discordian <laughs> from Europe. That's awesome. <laughs> what a great drop in. I hadn't seen he joined yet, so that's awesome. You're not wrong. <laughs> okay, back on track. Wow, tangents are strong with this episode. I'm just trying to make it a three-hour episode, you know? Oh, we might get there. Morgay has also learned in this conversation that she has literally exiled all of her supporters from the city. Even had one of them, one of her first strong supporters, the Lady Elorian, mm-hmm. publicly flogged. Because she dared to question, why are you kicking me out? Linny shares all of this with her and Morgase is like, oh crap, I I remember doing those things. I mean, it's not in my active memory, but when you tell me I did these things, I can kind of remember doing these things. What the heck? She remembers the motions, but not the agency because it wasn't hers. But she doesn't understand this. So this is really troubling. So the only nobles who are still in Camelot are weak ones and certainly ones that did not support her ever. And honestly, a few new ones where Gabriel said, yeah, make this one a lord. Yeah, make this one a lady. They don't have any real power or they just have a title now because they're sucking up to him. They're on team Gabriel and he wants them to be nobility. Just a couple here and there was like, yeah, that one, they've been kissing my ass. They're rich. Yeah. (laughs) He created this stamp and he put it in her hand. And just, just do this. It's made of rubber. Okay. Mm. There you go. The The situation is bad. Because she's realizing, I have nobody here who's on my side. No one will support me if I try to fix this. I've totally screwed up this situation. And I think he's about to take over. Lenny thinks, well, there must be something wrong with you. I mean, this is all hitting you now? How can you not have realized the moves you've been making for months. months. Maybe you need, maybe you literally need Aes Sedai healing. Can I go get one? And she's like, no, bad. Hate Aes Sedai. And at the same time, then she's thinking about, but wait a second, Elaine's training to be an Aes Sedai. Yeah. And doing really well. And I'm really proud of her. And she she senses these two things don't make sense. It's one of those what moments that reminds me? me of that really great shot in Rivendell in the Fellowship of the Ring when Bilbo just wants to see his ring one more time and then his face goes all (sighs) yeah because it's not her it's this very ingrained control of her that is influencing her thoughts and opinions and all this she doesn't understand it she doesn't like it she also can't really help it so getting back to where Carrie said earlier she's breaking the compulsion Morghese comes to a decision she sends Linny to find Talonvor. She's like, do you know Talonvor? Can you find him? And she's like, yeah, I know who that is. So she leaves to go get Talonvor. And while she's gone, Morghese is processing some things in her mind. So we get that she recognizes the decision she has now made. She has to act on quickly before Gabriel realizes she's not in her room and comes looking for her. Because if he finds her and he just looks at her with that, that, that look and touches her, She'll be like, oh, yeah, everything's fine again. And oh, I forgive you for anything. Will you forgive me? I mean, she will just fall right back into where she's been. There's there's even a great line here. She says, 
Had she not known better, she could have thought that he had used the one power on her in some way, but no man could channel survive. No man who can channel survived to his age. Um, (laughs) One, you're wrong. So close. Two, you don't even know the half of how old he is. Right. (laughs) Uh, She also, as she's thinking here, she's she's feeling very self-convicted at her decisions. She doesn't understand how she could be so under the control of this man. She just considers, I just have horrible taste in men. That's what it is. So she ticks him off. Okay, I married Terengil Damondred first. Why did she marry this guy? Politics. This is where we get back to what we said we'd talk about later. Yeah, politics. So can you explain? Is it fresh enough in your head that you can break that down for us? If I remember correctly, let's move these pieces around here. Terengil Damondred was already married? Was not? Yes. Okay, was, was actually. I wasn't sure if it was a like betrothal or marriage. To the previous daughter heir, I don't think she'd ever become queen. Correct. Daughter heir to Grain. Yes. Who disappeared. Yep. And we know why. Yes. And we know where. <clears throat> Rand's mom. We, we know about that. I don't think we knew that that was her fully, necessarily. Think so. I don't know. Think so. We knew parts of it. I'm not going that far. Anyway, as part of the political movings, Terengale and Morgays end up getting married. Terengale then is, yeah, Carrie's telling me you just blew something there. No, she's just got big eyes. That doesn't mean I dropped it. Um, <laughs> She'll tell us if I blew it. <laughs> she's about to tell you. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, okay. So the two of them get married and have some kids. Okay. Okay. We're good. We're good. See. See. Um, <laughs> Gawain was already alive. Am I getting that wrong? You're getting that wrong. Where am I, where am I missing pieces here? Okay. Let me break it down for you. So during the issue of the succession, okay, no, I'm not what the deal was is Tigraine's, Tigraine had married Terengil. Mm-hmm. Tigraine had disappeared. Tigraine's mom, the queen, dies. Terengil still just hanging around, hoping Tigraine comes back sometime, maybe. You know, what? Could be. Um, and maybe if not, I'll become the king because he's Kyrian in royalty. So Morgase steps up then during the succession time saying, I have a good claim for this throne. I will marry Terengale because then I've tied myself to the one who was married to the previous queen's daughter, the former daughter heir. And he's the reason we have a treaty right now with Kyrian and we're not fighting with them anymore. So this just all politically makes sense. I was wrong, but also not wrong in that. I said the wrong name. Galad. It's already born. Morgays became stepmom. Then they yes. have Gawain and Elaine. That's right. And that's part of what goes on in her head, too, because there was never any love between Terengale and Morgays. They had two wonderful children that she loves dearly, and she treated Galad as her child, even though he was really older than she could have ever naturally had, unless she was like seven and had a kid. You know, there's there's a there's an age difference that doesn't quite fit there. He was definitely the older brother. I don't think it's quite so, as big as you just said, but it is significant. Yeah, I don't know exactly uh, the age difference, but it's said clearly in this chapter that he's too old to mm-hmm. have been her kid, mm-hmm. period. So she's at this point just 16 when she marries Terengil. So there has, you know, he has to be old enough because you could have a kid at 12. You well, know, well, some women can do that. So yes, gotta but be... I don't think she was seven was my point. My knowledge 
vaguely of the difference between Gawain and Elaine to Galad says she wasn't seven. Yeah, I, I don't know. It does say, Linny says, though, here, she was still playing with dolls when Galad was born. How old are you when you're playing with dolls? I don't know. Now we have screens. <laughs> okay. I can't tell you the last time I saw a kid playing with dolls. And I, now, I work in a place where I see kids every day. Playing with screens. More screaming at me, but it's fine. <laughs> well, it's because you're sticking them with needles. <laughs> I mean, he's in a pediatric doctor's clinic. Let's be clear here before we, you know, really get something going on and Zach's in trouble. I'm playing with children every day and they sometimes, scream. Sometimes they love me. <laughs> sometimes they have the flu. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of like your old job where you worked in a child care and kids were screaming every day. Yeah, but usually they weren't screaming because of like not liking me. <laughs> Okay, so then we get to this part in her thoughts where she's like, oh, Taryn Gill, then, yeah, you know, we weren't ever really in sync, didn't really love each other. And, and honestly, then he died in that hunting accident. It was kind of almost a relief. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he died hunting in that accident. hunting accident. What do right. we know? We do know about that, don't we? That's been shared already, I'm sure. I don't know if we know, no, but like we should. Carrie, I want you to put your thoughts on that hunting accident before I say anything. Yeah, do you know how this guy died? Help us out. First time reader. She'll let us know whether or not we can spill the beans on this. I like that we're far enough. Oh, she's typing. I like that we're far enough in the books that we really sincerely can't remember what we can and can't share at this point. Right. I kind of want Carrie with us every time now. (laughs) So that we have someone to vet us before we blow it and give away something we shouldn't. Okay. She's typing. Um, she doesn't remember, so we're not going to say She doesn't anything. remember, then we're not saying. All right, we're not saying. But then we move on to the next guy, Tom Drill Marilyn. I did not remember his name was Tom Drill. It is Tom Drill. Until this chapter. Yeah. But this is important. She remembers he was house barred and then court barred. And this is the first time we learned that. Which He already what? was working as a bard for House Tracand and then followed right. them to the Lion Throne. They, he rose with them. Which to me says, yeah, when I said people died and there was all this political maneuvering and stuff, we already saw what he could do in Tyr when he was working with Rand, who knew nothing. Imagine mm-hmm. what he could do with people who actually knew what they were doing. Yeah. Now we get Morghese's perspective on Tom's behavior that she might have married him. And it was okay. Uh, Queens Vandor married commoners. That was a thing. Except then he just disappeared at one point. And then when he returned, she still might have forgiven him for disappearing with no explanation, except he had harsh words about Aes Sedai and called her their puppet and got her pretty ticked off. And then she was ready to have him execute him. You're done. And he had to flee. We what was going on for Tom? To see, uh, that's the whole mess with Owen, his nephew, yes. who could channel and ended up dying because of it. And he couldn't do anything about it. And he comes back and he's all upset. And it's nothing good to say about Aes Sedai then. A whole mess. Mm-mm. But Morghese knows nothing about Owen. Right. So that all got messy. And then Tom's gone. So then she turns to the next guy. Probably not instant. I don't think Morghese is a rebound woman. I mean, but maybe. eventually starts to grow closer and have a relationship with the captain of her guard, Gareth Bryn. To be fair to Morghese, or I guess unfair to her, she kind of started up the Gabriel stuff before closing off the uh, Bryn stuff. 
I think that's safe to say, but the Bryn stuff was never an official stuff. It was, uh, you're my captain of the guard and I'm the queen, but once in a while, we dally. I think that was it. There was never any attempt to make this more formalized. It's just, you have needs, I have needs, we're here, kind of thing. I don't agree with that entirely. <laughs> um, and a lot of that, I think, comes from how we've seen Gareth Bryn thinking and talking back on the times okay and so carrie Morgan doesn't agree either <laughs> may have seen it that way i don't think so but may have as the person she was closest with the one she could trust most and after tom someone reliable yes she's mm -hmm. still keeping him at an arm's distance but he's reliable but all she thinks of now about him is not reliable she thinks of him as a treasonous fool and she doesn't even spend more time thinking about him then. She just moves on to the next one. Which is funny because she couldn't be any more wrong. This is the man most loyal to Andor and her. Right. And what, she's done everything she treason? can to ruin that. What is the treason that she's thinking of? I mean, really, there isn't one. But basically, he said, yo, Gabriel's bad news. <laughs> the man I love. Be gone. Traitor. Yeah, pretty much that was it. Meanwhile, he's still sitting there go, shit, a week ago you loved me, I thought. But see, this is again a sign of compulsion because she's now figuring out Gabriel is bad news and still can't put together the fact that, and Bryn told me months ago he was bad news and I exiled him as a traitor. She, she can't put it together. The brain doesn't work yet. So Linny does return at this point with a recalcitrant Talonvor. She had to basically threaten to thump him to get him in, to comply and to come to meet with Morghese. I mean, she was he is still upset. Well, and she was smart enough not to necessarily tell everything about the here and the how and the why and the only that you need to. Yeah. And why? Here we find out. Okay, so there's a conversation and they have some terse words and it becomes clear. He is loyal to her, but he's really ticked off that she's been such a ninny. It's hard <laughs> to be continue to be loyal to someone that you believe in when they're absolutely not worthy of that loyalty. Mm. And in these past few months, she has not been. Fair. Absolutely. Talonvor, it turns out, as they continue to talk things through, is the only guard left who's faithful to her. All the new ones that have come in have sworn to the throne and to law, not to the queen. Talonvor also did that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But he's a holdover from the previous guard. And he says, yeah, you won't find anyone else like me here. In fact, no one else like me in the city. If you want more people truly loyal to you as the queen, we got to leave the city, go out to some of the garrisons, and we could probably find some there. He doesn't know that for sure. So clearly what we need to do, we have to get out of the city. So they shape a plan to escape. Talonvor will go make some preparations. Morghese will have to meet him out of the castle, ready to go. And they choose the Queen's Blessing, owned by a man who is loyal to the Queen. Yeah. The one Basil Gill. Yeah. Where have we heard about this man before? I mean, let's, we've let's met deal. him when they were, when Rand and Matt were first leaving from Whitebridge. And there was kind of a, you know, if we're separated, this is where you need to go kind of thing that Tom was giving that them. That Tom told him. Yeah. Tom said, go to the Queen's Blessing, talk to Basil Gill. He will help you out if you say that I sent you. Yep. Yep. So this is a man who. And he did. 
He is, did. That, that was happens. and is a friend and loyal person both to Queen and to Tom, which to me tells me a little bit, maybe also kind of loyal just to House Strakhand, but regardless, he's and a remember, good man. When Rand and Matt showed up, there was this, in the book, in first book, there was this bit of the red ribbons and the white ribbons on weapons, and the red was loyal to the Queen. The white was against, and no whites were hanging out in the Queen's Blessing. It was very clear. And Rand had, by good fortune or the turning of the wheel and the pattern and yada Bought yada. a cheaper clo- cloth. Which was red, yes. And so that kind of helped and that fit in with Basil Gill. And okay, so this is a good guy. I we will know say, this. maybe this is a misunderstanding of me just knowing dyes and things. Um, there must have been a huge demand for the white cloth for the, the red to be in shorter supply. Because I think, if I remember correctly, red dyes are especially like good reds a little harder to come by i don't know i don't know blue would be another matter and purple very sure very sure yeah maybe maybe not so once talonvor leaves to begin his preparations for them to get out of dodge lenny challenges margays and says why do you keep calling him young now we hadn't mentioned it before but she keeps saying things like now now young talonvor and you know and stuff and this is where it's pointed out he's only a few years younger than the queen and he's older than her stepson galad it's that sort and of galad thing of, was like too old to be her biological son if she's 38 random number and talonvor is 33 and galad is 28 it's like yes galad's still kind of too young to be your kid but talonvor is not that much older than him but is older but also not that much younger than you yeah Morghese does not answer the question why she keeps calling him young. She dodges it, shifts the topic. Any relevant theories you have, Zach, based on what we've read so far as to why? Carrie, feel free to jump into why does she keep calling him young Talonvor? What's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great content, Zach. I'm Any keeping theories? My, mm-hmm. Look, I am keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> and Carrie's like, I missed this. Anything I, uh, that what? could be regardless like in any way foreshadowing because it is uh, i am keeping my mouth shut before i get in trouble okay we are gonna go with this being a spoiler light moment you should notice this fact linny helps you notice this fact she keeps calling him young talonvor and it, it bothers him it really annoys him and she can see it and she keeps doing it and linny's like stop it what is your problem it will come up again. Okay. Linny confirms then that Talonvor can be relied upon because yes, he swore the new oaths, but she came upon him by random chance after he'd sworn those new oaths. She found him in a private area, I think out in the stable yards or something, where he basically undid it. He's crying as he's swearing again and he, he cut his hand with his sword to make a blood oath to even more sincerely swear his loyalty to the queen again ah boys and their swords okay we're not that kind of podcast Mm. (laughs) but didn't just swear to the queen of andor she heard him swear to queen morgase of andor he is 100 behind her so okay can count on him and she's not gonna worry about it anymore because to question it any further would mean to question believing in Linny. And she's not going to question Lenny. She believes in this woman. 
So Morghese gets into a disguise, and with Linny's help, the two of them succeed in slipping out of the palace down to the Queen's Blessing. There she finds Talonvor ready with horses, but also Basil Gill, the owner. And he's wearing this old, ill-fitting, kind of armored suit with a sword that also looks like it hasn't been used in a long time. And he's ready to travel with her. Along with them is his tough, his brawler, his bouncer? Bouncer, uh, Lamb like Gwyn. We've met Lamb Gwyn before. Yeah. But, and Lamb Gwyn's ready to come. He's just as faithful to the queen. But with Lamb Gwyn is a woman, Brienne. Now, Brienne speaks with a Kyrianan accent mm -hmm. and seems cultured. And Morghese senses this might be like Kyrianan displaced nobility who's really come down in the world with the civil war over there and is now here and brianne's real clear yeah i could care less about you morghese but i'm with lamguin mm -hmm. and as much as he is dedicated to you i'm 10 times more dedicated to him so where he goes i go i'm with you we have met brianne before yeah did we meet her at uh lord barthenis's party or something we did she was one of the women hitting on rand yep big time and it's just, it's leaned in here that she is fallen from grace, Kyrian and nobility. Uh, I mean, they I think, had a civil war. Then there's a civil war, yeah. And, and an island. I think it was already mentioned a little earlier where she came from, but maybe it's revealed later on and we just spilled the beans on that one. But you know, it's 177 episodes at this point. If and we start spilling fair, something accidentally, sorry. Even if we do spill those beans, her name was mentioned in Kyrian, and she's got a Kyrian mm -hmm. accent. We have met her. She but was like, a named character. Yes. Only so many beans spilt. Just <laughs> a few legumes. Maybe just one bean. Just one bean. Okay? All right. Time is essential. They must be gone now before Gabriel realizes it. So they skedaddle. And soon, they're miles out of Camelin. But which direction? Their destination they decide on is Core Springs. So... Off they go. Why Core Springs? No it's not idea. what Morghese would have chosen. You have no idea. Not off the top of my head. Because it's where Gareth Bryn lives. Is that where they he's say, from? What we need to do, that's where his manor is. That's where he adjudicated the issue between Swan mm -hmm. and Leanne, you know, and Loghain with the farmer. Yeah, that was Core Springs. We need to go get him back on your side, Morghese. That's the deal. If you can get him to come back and support you again after basically kicking him out before, we can fix all this. Because with him on your side, the other nobles who are against you now that you've ostracized and all, they'll come back. If only because they know that Gareth Bryn will win all the battles. He's that good. Okay, so they'll side with you. We need him. So fine. Treasonous snake, but I get it. And off they go. All right, that is our first friggin' long chapter right there. <gasps> we're already done with it? Are you sure? No, we're not. There's oh, four no. more pages. <laughs> and we're already an hour and eight minutes into <laughs> this episode. Okay, we leave them on that journey. But the last four pages, we go back to the White Tower okay. and Pat and Fane. Ooh, goody. Still in the White Tower. And now we see laid out clearly his actual agenda. He went originally, this is going all the way back to the second book. Yeah. Did we know he was actually in yet? I knew we knew he was going to. No, it's not the second book. It's the fourth book. And the, the Shadow book. Rising, when he was done with the chaos that had happened in the two rivers, he left for the White Tower. Yes. Because 
he wanted what was his. Yep. Okay, so here we are seeing him get what's his. Not not what is coming. Yeah, not what's coming to him. <laughs> right, right, right. Unfortunately. Spoiler, sorry, he doesn't die here. <laughs> he is sneaking around at night here, going to where he can sense the dagger from Shatter Logoth is stored. He finds it in a room hidden behind a simple locked panel, whatever, unlocks it with a lock pick and puts his hand on the dagger again. And the moment he does, he sighs. He's like, oh, finally, I'm whole again. I have it. And then he hears someone behind him. Now, he'd been thinking, what a bunch of idiots, these Aes Sedai, who just something this important and they just lock it in a room? Really? Where anybody can just break in? Well, no, that's not what they did. They had wards on it, and he can't sense wards. This Aes Sedai walks into the room because she sensed someone went after this thing that shouldn't be doing. And she questions and challenges him, and he just turns and slashes her with the dagger and then pulls her the rest of the way in the room and looks out in the hall, makes sure nobody else is there, nobody else sees anything, and then closes the door. Now, he's not worried about the woman he slashed because no. we know what's happening to her. Yeah, we she saw is dying an absolutely before. horrible death of pain and necrosis, and yep. she's going to end up being a blackened, fleshy blob. And where did we last see this impact from this dagger? When Matt scratched someone in Falma right before Rand had a fight with a actual blade master. Yeah, one of those Shanchen servants. Uh, I think it was a servant, not a soldier, but it was one of them. And yeah, died horribly. And that's exactly what happens. She can't even make a noise. She's just twitching and thrashing and can't breathe. And it, it's very, very bad very quickly. And then... Helviarin shows up and chastises Fane for this mess he has just made. She's not being all Aes Sedai. No. She's being very different. And he quickly deduces, you're Black Aja. Because this is not how you should be reacting to me here. No. Seeing someone in the tower, breaking out an evil artifact, killing an Aes Sedai. These are all signals as like, mm, Black Aja? Black Aja. And she's like, there is no Black Aja. Sure She's there like, is. No, 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 you're Black Aja. Okay, whatever. But then he has to turn around and sell the fact that he's a dark friend. Which, I mean, he was, is, was. And he's able to very around. convincingly not only sell that he's a dark friend, but that he's a very high-ranked dark friend. Because he's been to Thakandar. He can describe things she's only heard of. But she knows they're real. So, dude must be important. Okay. Very we little know. he says is actually wrong. It's just right. a lot of twisting. It's what he doesn't say that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, thanks, Marguerite. Good to see you. Yeah. Different part of the world, man. Gotta go sleep. We get that. So, he has her convinced that he's on a mission and she's not high enough pay grade for him to tell her what the mission is. She leaves him to his own resources. And then he's like, okay, I got to get out of here now. Because if she checks in with whoever she answers to, like a Forsaken, perhaps, mm. it'll become very obvious very quickly. I'm not exactly following orders. <laughs> I'm not doing what I should be doing. Now, granted, that's still kind of a weird misunderstanding of how the Shadow's power structure works. Because none of them know what each other's orders are or who's actually giving them. That is true. But he's got people waiting outside of, or off the island, off of Tower Pilon, waiting for him. 
Now we know who those are. The former white cloaks who are now like very dirty cloaks. And he's going to join up with them. But he did have another thing he was hoping to do here that he now decides he doesn't have time for. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is he was going to also steal the horn of Alir. He knows it's here too. But nope, he's out. He's got his dagger. He's going to go. Now there's a couple other important things that are mentioned here that I do not want to skip over. Okay. One is that he tries to manipulate Alviar in a little bit, tempt her with some power and authority. And this is his Shadar Logoth personality here, you know, that to try to reach into power-hungry people and help them want to rise. He's like, I could help you become the Amarlin. She's like, no, no, I'm good with number two. And this is important for us to recognize. She says, I could have been the Amarlin. I could be the Amarlin anytime I want to. That's not the plan. We like the puppet. Okay, I'm going to sit here and continue to manipulate Elida. Which, again, firmly confirms Elida is not Black Aja. Unfortunately. Elida is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other thing we get here is confirmation that Pat and Fane is not just following different orders, doing his own thing now, but that he is physically changed. Because as he's playing with his dagger, he nicks himself and just, hmm, just sucks it and, and goes on with life. Yeah, there's something... Diff- what more something different something that the shadow logothiness does and i'll tell you it takes a reread to realize how big that yeah. moment is this is a simple thing it's easy to miss on a first time read so i don't know carrie if you had caught that or not but you definitely are supposed to he cut himself and he doesn't turn black and puffy and die painfully in misery he's just fine it's all good hmm. perhaps we'll find out why with that, Fane is off then to where? Althor. He says it. He can he can sense where he's at in general, at least the direction. He is going after Althor again. Now, that heck of a chapter was amazing and fun and so many reveals, but that's where we stop with that and shift to a completely different part of the story with three more chapters that go pretty quick. Okay. And I'm going to try to make them quicker than otherwise because, wow, a lot of time. All right, you got 15 minutes per chapter. Let's go. Okay, we can do this. Rand and the Aiel, they are leaving just about now the Aiel Waste. They are at the spine of the world, also called the Dragon Wall. They're on the trail of the Shido. Mm-hmm. Moraine is at his side, and she's been, like, glued to his hip for days now, just constantly lecturing on all sorts of things she thinks he needs to know. Things about the various courts of all the realms of the world. Things about politics, about ways nobility act. Things about the white cloaks, uh, economics, war. Anything she can pack into his brain. Interestingly enough, you say lecturing, but it almost, I almost don't like the connotation of that word. Because it implies this certain level of trying to control him. And she's not really actively doing that anymore. She's still playing her role of doing what Rand says. But she's giving as much information all the time, overloading. I will point out that wasn't my word. That's the word Robert Jordan put in the book. I know. Okay. I just don't like. Careful Look, now. I can ten dis- people just unsubscribed. No, I can disagree with a word that is used <laughs> yeah. for the sake of what the connotation is. And while I agree, Carrie, it is annoying to constantly berate and have this information. I don't think she's having it in the tone that we think of when we think of someone lecturing you this is not anymore the person who knows better telling you but rather no, she's, she's just telling it almost desperately needing information. To tell as much information as she can just 
just need to pour it into your brain. And he's bored most of the time, honestly. I mean, he hears it, but... But every now and then, some little nugget comes in that is actually very surprising. He's like, whoa, what, wait, what was that? Repeat that. A couple examples are given here. She tells him, trust no woman of the White Tower. Including you? me. Oh, okay. Except me, Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve. That's it. No one else. So yeah, clearly she's written heart. off on Sanjay. She believes perhaps she is dead, as the rumors are. Uh, who else is left off that list? Elida, for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's someone else who has kind of been within the circle of trust. Varen? Varen Sedai is not on the list. Yeah. She's been part of this inner grouping over the course of some books. And yet, to a certain extent, uh, Moraine's never really said that she trusted her. She trusted her enough not to kill her. But yeah, that's about all. Yeah. Okay. I need to point out that Rand, as they're standing here now at this location at the base of the the Jengai Pass, mm-hmm. he's looking up and in the distance, high up in the mountains in front of him, way up like at the snow line, he sees what looks like the remains of buildings, maybe even a, a dock. Now it's really far off. He's not sure, but there's a pier, a dock up there. What the heck? So I ask you, Zach. What the heck? You know, why would something like that be located on a mountainside? Um, Because pre-breaking of the world, the IEO waste was probably part of an ocean. But not all of this was underwater. A lot of what they've been walking through probably was pre-breaking, yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree slightly. Are you though. trying to yes, say partly. skyships? No. I'm going to say it's, it's reminding us not only did, okay, water places change, but there was ground upheaval. Oh, yeah, both those things. So that thing way up there wasn't that high before. It's not just that the water went away. No. Mountains shot up, valleys went down, all sorts of things geographically, physically changed. I hear and understand what you're saying. I also say that we have real world parallels to say that sometimes oceans turn into deserts with shifting geography. And that's probably a lot of what happened in the IEO waste. Could be. But just now, Rand, his focus isn't on that curiosity up there. It's on the town that's actually in front of them now. Tyen, a moderate-sized town left from when Kyrian was in the Aeol's good graces, and they could freely pass back and forth. You know, before that idiot layman did something. You know, cut down a tree. Yeah. It sits right at the foot of the Aeol side of the Jengai Pass. So... I guess technically you could come down this far, but if you then start to cross, they kill you. But here, there was still a place where people lived. Not anymore. The town is dead. The Shido have left their calling card. There are bodies hanging by the neck all the way around the city walls, just left there on display. The Shido got here days ago because these bodies, they're not fresh. No, okay? they're not They don't fresh. look good at all. That being said, it is important to realize you said they were laid here on display. Who are they on display for? Random company. They're not for anybody else. Yeah, that's coming up momentarily in the dialogue, too. How long ago it happened? Well, that's hard to say. It's been days. They've we lost a lot of their forensic it. methods, uh, so they really can't tell by the age of, like, blowfly larvae or anything like that. <laughs> we know the Shido got a head start of about a week on Rand and the rest of the IEO because they did not realize the Shido had left from where they were all camped. And when they realized it, okay, Rand was like, we got to go. We got to follow. So 
He's hoping to catch up to make up time because now he's picturing this is what could be happening in Kyrian for a week until we get there if we haven't narrowed down the gap. And he's been pushing. The Isle of All have been pushing hard to try to get closer to the Shido. Rand is reminded of Maruos, which was That's destroyed the during the War of Power, and then realizes, wait a second, I don't know this city. That's one of those loose Theron Telemon memories again. The dude who's been dead for 3,000 years. Bad brain, bad brain. Stop it. He doesn't want these thoughts just creeping in, but they come anyway. He probably should tell Moraine about it. He won't. Yeah. Why not? Why won't he talk to Moraine about these thoughts popping into his head? Um, one, because he doesn't really trust her enough. Two, he's kind of terrified it may be some bit of madness. And what does that mean when you're telling an Aes Sedai, I'm going mad from using the mm -hmm. one power. It's like, sure, right? she may believe I'm the dragon. I may be the dragon. But if I go mad, like, are they going to just kill me and hedge their bets? Like, maybe? Exactly. Lan comes up to Rand at this point, notes someone is watching from those rocks over there. Now he doesn't point at him. He focuses like he's looking at the city, but he says, you know, don't look to your right, but over there, there's some people. And with a little bit of time, those people do come out. But Rand is thankful at this moment that he had made the choice he did. The only people that are here looking at the town are not Aiel. Mm -hmm. So you got Rand. Lan and Moraine, Matt is there. Also the Gleeman, Jason Natal, <clears throat> who happens to be somebody really, really bad, but nobody only, knows it except Rand. He's only kind of really, really bad. He's less really, really bad now. And he's holding Rand's banner, the banner of the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai. What does that look like? Remind us what, what's on this banner. It's kind of a yin-yang looking thing. But backwards and no dots. But yep, yep. I found this on the web. Thanks, Siri. I don't care, Siri. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and Siri for both ends here. That's hilarious. I thanked her. <laughs> oh, now she's trying to talk again on my computer. Stop it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so these people who were hiding in the rocks don't see any Aiel. They come out now. Oh, you survived from out of the waste as well. Wonderful, my lord. Uh... The savages are attacking again. And we learn specifically from these two men and one woman who come out and look horrible. They're all ragged. They look in bad shape. So the Aiel attacked in the night, killing any who opposed them and taking anything that was not fixed in place. And anything they couldn't take with them, they burned. Matt is like, what were your sentries doing? Why didn't they see them coming? And they're like, what sentries? sentries? We just had a guardsman at each gate. We haven't had to worry about anything in a long, long time. The Aiel don't even come over here. They they, they don't like us. They stay away completely. Shame on you. It's only been like 20 years. They also share that these Aiel who attacked took people. Mm. Anyone that was above 16, they stripped them naked, called them guy something, and took them away. Six days ago is when it happened. They were here for one full day. So they arrived in the night. They were gone by the next night. And Rand says, so how many of you managed to survive? He says, there's about a hundred of us. And we're all in pretty bad shape. And the bodies, Rand's like, there's a hundred of you and you've left these bodies hanging for six days. What is wrong with you people? It's like, no, 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 no. We were terrified. 
the leader of this group of savages, mm-hmm. he had he had tattoos on his arms, just like you do, sir. And and he gave us strict orders. Don't you dare touch these bodies. They are here on purpose. They are left as a message for someone who is going to be coming. What message? Honestly, the actual message of what it is isn't the clearest message beyond just I'm intending to do this. But he does speak out clearly to this guy that and this guy who's following me, I'm going to do even worse to him. It's like, ooh, okay, well, lovely. At this point, the people's eyes bug out and they run off in terror. And Rand turns around and he sees some of his IU walking up veiled like they're ready to kill. And he's like, oh, come on, guys, what the? Okay, there'd been a plan. Let's not scare these people. So there are there are Aiel everywhere around them, but they're oh, hidden. Yeah. They're intentionally hiding because Rand asked them to hide. But then when they saw that the people who came towards Rand, they don't have any weapons. They're not a threat, really. And they're just tree killers. They came on out. There's no need to hide anymore. Yeah. It's like, no, no, you were supposed to hide to not terrorize them, not hide to protect me. That, ah. Uh... <laughs> Now, this group that's walking forward is Ruark. We know that's one of those clan chiefs that's on Rand's side, but with him is Dirik, another clan chief. This of the Rain Aiel. This was a group that wasn't with him originally, mm-hmm. but Ruark had told him, the rain will come to you. There's no, no doubt. It's just a matter of time. And so that has happened now. They did. The rain are on Team Rand. But the Timalon and the Miyagoma clans, they're still out there coming alongside them but haven't joined up aren't sharing what they're thinking even the wise ones don't have any information on what they're gonna do they could end up being allies they could also end up being the hammer to hammer to the shido's anvil yeah very bit of a concern definitely when ruark does say you know these dudes were just tree killers the book takes a moment to remind people to remind us of why the Aiel have an attitude about the Kyrianans. Can you remind us really super fast of what the deal is? Yeah, um, they had a long-standing debt with to the Kyrianan anciently, so they gave them a clipping of Avendasora, the Tree of Life, uh, called Avendaladera. It lived in Kyrian for a long time, and then Layman, in his pride, decided to chop it down and make a really nice chair out of it. And they said, oh, that's it. We go kill him. And then it started the IEO war, which the IEO really didn't care about as a war. They just killed Layman and left. That was very well done, Zachary. Very well done. Now, Rand brings up then what he just heard from these guys and says to Ruark and Derek, did you did you hear that? Did you catch what they're saying about Kuladin and the Shido and that they're taking prisoners as Guy Shane? And it disgusts Ruark and Derek. Mm-hmm. And they clarify, it doesn't matter what Kuladin is saying. Those can't be Guy Shane. Why not? Because they don't follow Jito. That's right. Guy Shane is a thing of Jito. It is about their honor. You don't force anyone to be Guy Shane. You can't they choose Guy Shane. They take on the white. That's right. For a year and a day. You can't make someone be Guy Shane. No, they have to choose to. So these guys actually are accusing Kuladin of abandoning Jito. How can he have fallen so far and matt leans in here he's like he abandoned it a while ago he's not yeah, very y'all are surprised. The place. come on he has a great line the man would cheat at dice with his mother now this is matt this is a classic matt Derek and ruark kind of just give him a flat stare because he might suck as an aiel kuladin but he's still aiel 
he's still better than Matt in their eyes because you know Matt's an outsider. We'll see but if that changes. Kuladin's just a little shit. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> yeah. no way around that. As Lan suggests, Kuladin, you know, clearly is expecting us to be following. He might have laid traps up here in the past. He might even left men waiting in ambush. Uh, Rand says, you know, let's not follow now. Let's make camp right here. First thing in the morning, we will take the pass. And he assigns scouts then from one of the societies. You guys be the ones down the lookout and kind of scurry on and see if you can find anything ahead of us. And, and the maidens by Rand, they just stare at him. This flat stare, kind of like, really? Them? What's going on there, Zach? Uh, Rand's been giving various duties to all the different seps and clans societies. and societies and splitting these things up pretty well, save for the maidens. He keeps skipping over the maidens. He's not sending them off to do the dangerous things because Rand's like, I'm not asking them to be in danger. They are definitely noticing he's leaving them out. I think they're getting a little PO'd. They're a little ticked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rand does ask Ruark, help the survivors once you find them again. You know, come on, show some empathy here. Feed them and uh, help them as needed because they're going to come with us now. Okay, we're not leaving these people here. We're going to help them through the pass. Oh, and all those bodies up there, bury them. They can be shallow graves, though. <laughs> Without orders, the Aiel do take care of one other thing. They start shooting all the ravens that have been eating the bodies. Why? Dark What's ones deal with ravens? Yeah. Okay. That was 15 minutes. Let's go on to chapter 21, the gift of a blade. They've set up camp. They're spread out for the night. This includes, I should mention, the peddler, Kadir, and his folk and wagons. Yes, but Hadnan's still here. Those wagons don't have peddler stuff anymore. Remind us what's actually on the peddler's wagons. A bunch of terra on Griol. Yeah, the, all those things from Ruidian. Rand figures as soon as they make it over the spine of the world, Kadir and his ilk, they're going to take off. They're going to disappear. But they're still with us for now. Rand is camped partway up the slope towards the town, kind of at one end of the camp. Most others are down below. And the wise ones have set up their area for tents near Rand. Not right next to him, but kind of between Rand and the rest of the camp. And he notices this and he's like, yeah, they probably decided to be there. So they're accessible to me if I need something or if they want to come to me for something. But probably also, so if anybody else wants to come talk to me, they got to go through them. Mm -hmm. All right. I see what they're doing. That's fine. A bunch of others have camped around the general area of Rand. While most are, are down below, we've got maidens in the area of Rand because they carry his honor. Yeah. But there are a few other groupings around the hills nearby because all the Aiel still want to take care of protecting their Karakarn. That's what's going on. There's a little bit of trivia thrown in here because as Rand is observing the Wise One's tents being set up by some guy Shane, they're being directed by the Wise One, Malane, who just three nights ago married that clan chief she was sweet for, Bale, mm -hmm. which also made her first sister to Bale's other wife, Darindra. Which and that surprised Rand. And yet with the to-do that it was, could almost be said the other way around. She was made first sister, which also meant she was Bale's husband or Bale's wife. And this is what was really part of what surprised Rand, that that was at least as important, maybe more important, that now you're first sister to Darindra. Yeah. There's a lot of little tidbits of information shared in Rand's thoughts as he walks around observing the camp being set up. So just here's some highlights. Uh, Matt, he's asked the survivors, I, I referenced it before, why they hadn't had sentries. And Rand is going... Why would Matt even think of that, though? 
I mean, he doesn't have training of some sort to make him think in such a manner. And ever since Ruidian, Matt comes up with these odd comments. Just he wonders what's going on. He's still not talking about it, though. Rand, Matt's not going to tell you much about anything. Matt won't speak about anything that happened to him in Ruidian, including this foxhead medallion, this fancy spear he's got. Yeah, nothing. Won't say a thing. He also notices Melindra hanging around with Matt, and yep, they have become quite a thing. In fact, Rand has heard maidens, other maidens, placing bets on whether or not she will give up the spear for Matt Cawthon. What's that mean? It would mean that she would be stopping being a maiden, marrying him, taking up those kinds of familial responsibilities. Right. Uh, Jason Natal has been given the job I mentioned earlier of carrying Rand's banner. He doesn't like this job. <laughs> he, and he shouldn't. Rand doesn't care, though. He's like, I've got nobody else that can do it. Everybody else has a purpose and a meaning. You're just dead weight. Except when we take time in the evenings, you're my trainer. That's this is Asmodian, of yeah. course. We've talked about that before. Now, Asmodian would know this. Um, Matt would, too. The Bannerman, one of the most targeted people on a battlefield. Yep. Because if you take that out, the organizational system of the group, the army, whatever, can collapse. So Do you think Rand worries if Asmodian is stressed? Not even a little bit. I don't know that Rand knows what he's done, but he's made him incredibly a target. <laughs> Rand, uh, in talking with Natal here then, has a couple of interesting comments. One of them is, you know, well, Asmodian says, so you're not uh, putting a, a web of death around my tent anymore. Does this mean you're like, you're trusting me? He's like, well, yeah, I'm giving you your parole. I trust you as far as you need me, perhaps even more than I need you. But I'll tell you this, don't abuse it. The moment you even think to betray me, I will end you. So end you. And this is the two rivers, Randall Thor talking. We do not like people who stab us in the back. No. Okay. Just we saying. do get far enough to go like, look, he's still way more powerful than you, especially because you're only getting that trickle. And Rand is getting more knowledge. You're teaching him things. He's feeling comfortable in it. And if all else fails, you're still surrounded by Aiel. Mm, yeah. They also reference that that ruins up on the mountainside. And Natal, he's looking up at it and he's going, you know, this world has so changed. That could have been where I grew up, where I was born. Because my, my home was a port city. Again, the emphasis on how things have changed with the world. Now, Rand has been training with Asmodian. He's learned how to control the one power much better. He's also noticed he is growing in power. There's more he's capable of. And it's on display here now when he puts a ward over the entire camp. It's pretty big space. And it's a very specific ward. It's subtle. All it does is if somebody tries to come into the camp who shouldn't be there, it'll set off an alarm. But it's so subtle and gentle that you cast it out there it's not enough power to attract the attention of others who could potentially notice him using the power. He mentions he could set up one that's a killing ward. You know, if any shadow spawn try to cross it, you know, and they're gone. That takes too much power, though. So this one is just a light thing. Yeah. So we're not going to get caught off guard. The killing one, very good and useful, but like, one, it's a flare. Two, hmm. doesn't stop dark friends. True. Rand then approaches his own tent, and it's guarded by maidens and Avienda standing outside it. We learn 
from her and talking with Rand, she has been taught, you know, she's getting her training as a wise one and training and channeling. She's learned she should not channel too often. There are things she could do by channeling that, nope, you shouldn't channel. You can do things physically still. And, and if you actually channel too much, you could harm yourself. But we also learned that she's like, yeah, but you know, I haven't come anywhere close to my limits. What's the implication there, Zach? She's pretty strong. Yeah, she's discovering strong channel. Rand goes into the tent. Avienda follows. Now, this is not a shocking thing because this is reminding us she's sleeping in his tent. Notably, they aren't sharing a tent. She sleeps in his tent. Yeah. Small distinction, but kind of matters to how they view it. But they're not just settling into sleep yet because she has a gift for him. <sighs> she plops a big wrapped something in a blanket and says, this is to cancel my debt to you. I tried giving you something before and you, you didn't accept it. And well, this will do it. And he's still like, there's there's no debt here. And nope, this will cancel my debt. She doesn't want to hear it. It's an Aiel thing. Okay, she feels an obligation. She's trying to get out from under it. So he unwraps the bundle and inside he finds an incredibly gem encrusted ornate sword. I mean, the scabbard is coated with stuff. The hilt here, that's my background illustration. Right the hilt is totally impractical. It's got diamonds and emeralds and rubies, and it's just plastered with stuff. This is clearly ornamental. It's bedazzled. It's designed not to be used. It's to be looked. It is beautiful. And he acknowledges that. And he admits it. This is this is beautiful. And he's kind of shocked. I mean, how did you acquire a sword like this? I mean, Aiel won't even touch swords. Well, she points out, I didn't touch it. It was wrapped in a blanket. And I asked around to make sure that was okay. And it turns out this is not just a beautiful sword. This is Layman's sword. King Layman. When they killed him 20 years ago, they took it as proof that he was dead. Now, Rand discovers something about it because he starts to pull the blade out and he sees the heron mark. He also sees... This thing's probably been sitting in a scabbard like this for 20 years because the Aiel don't use swords and there's not a fleck of rust or anything marring this blade. Yeah, swords don't do well in scabbards for long periods of time for storage purposes without being like taken out and oiled and cared for. This hasn't been touched at all and probably not taken out. So Heron marked, pristine condition. He draws a conclusion. This is power rot. He knows a sword that used to look like this that he no longer has Aww. his dad's sword Not so but he does still have the hilt you realize that right I the mean, rest of it just got melted uh-huh so he accepts as a gift the sword not the hilt not the scabbard he says you can have those things back i'm just going to keep the blade and he's thinking she must have spent every dime she had to get this this is so valuable i'll just keep the part that i can use and I'll give her the rest back and she can probably resell those and get some money back. He's thinking he's doing her a solid. She is ticked. Yeah, turns out swords aren't valued that much. And the part that you're taking is the part that has no value to the Aiel. So this doesn't cancel the debt at all. <laughs> She's like, but but all these gems and the gold and no, that's not what he wants. Ah, oh, all right. So she's a little angry again. Fine, whatever. Women, I can't, I can't figure them out. So it's clear she's gonna go to sleep then. So he gets ready for bed, gets in bed, turns away from her because he knows what's next. 
she's going to take all her clothes off and get into bed. And he's like, no, no, don't want to see that. I mean, I do want to see that, but I don't want to see that. And in fact, he doesn't even want to hear it because he's a young man with an imagination. So he strikes up a conversation while she's changing to try to mask the sounds literally of clothing being removed. It doesn't really work. No. But what they do discuss is more about Aiel culture. We get a little more particulars of the marriage, uh, lots of little details. And, and two things result from what they talk about. One is that Rand asks Avienda about the necklace she always wears. Where did you get that? And she says, a friend. And we do know where she got that. She got that from Egwene. But she doesn't want to say anything about it. It's, it's, it's important to her. It's not his business. He feels just a twinge of jealousy that she has jewelry that he didn't give her. Though he doesn't want to acknowledge that. But the other thing that plays out here is he has a dream then when he goes to bed. Uh-huh. Min and Elaine helping him throw a naked avienda over her sho his shoulder. The only thing she's wearing is that, that stupid necklace. Oh, and avienda is beating him over the head with a marriage wreath. Yeah, sounds about right. The beating over the head part. <laughs> the rest is just okay. his, uh, fantasies, right? Yeah, that is a fantasy for sure. Final chapter, chapter 22, shortest one of all. Bird calls by night. So we're talking like owls or? Nope, nope. Blackbird and uh, Singing Red in the something. dead of night. Got it. We're with Matt and Melindra in a tent they're sharing now. Melindra is giving him a massage. Now it should be noted, they are both naked. They are both very comfortable and they've probably already done something. Uh, maybe not. Notably, if I know where you were going with those birds, the red thing is an eagle. I don't think it was. No. Okay, so that's not where you, where you're going is not where no. I was going with this. No, no, I was but going I to what the book good. actually said. But there oh, was okay. a red okay. something bird. But anyways, <laughs> but I get where you're going now. Yeah. <laughs> As they're very comfortable, Matt's very relaxed. She's being very good to him. They're having a conversation. And we pick up a few things. One, Melindra has clearly claimed him. He can't get any other woman to even look at him anymore. Also, she's thinking things of him, such as he is meant for great things. She sees a great man in mm. Matt. Think of the glory. She also thinks he should stop being in Randall Thor's shadow so much. I mean, he has his own glory to pursue. But then again, being in the shadow of the Karakarn, well, that has some honor of its own. So it's not all bad. But, you know, you shouldn't sell yourself short. She's basically saying you are awesome and you should act like it more often now she's singing his praises she's massaging him making him feel so good she clearly honors him and he's like she's not that bad and so she he asks again it says again so he's yeah. already checked this before are you sure you're not ever called the daughter of the nine moons why and what's unfortunately the deal for him no because he's been told he will marry the daughter of the nine moons so apparently not this person, unless that's something that she hasn't gotten yet as a title. It's, it, it's almost like, would you like to be called the daughter of the nine moons? Like, could, <laughs> could I, could, could we role play that? <laughs> and she's basically saying, stop asking me that stupid question. Okay. Then they hear this, these bird calls, two of them, two different birds. And they instantly know someone's coming into the camp. Because it's two different bird calls, these are things Rand set up. They're tied to the ward that he put out there. So everyone knows about the ward. One bird call means that 
enemies are approaching from one side, another bird call means the opposite side of the camp. So people are sneaking in. Maybe it's an attack. We don't know, but they leap up into action. Mm -hmm. They do that in two very different ways. Melinda grabs her shufa, wraps it around her head and veils, grabs her spears and buckler and jumps out of the tent. She's not wearing anything else. Not a stitch else. Matt is not doing that. There's thorns outside. Hello. So he takes the time to put his his pants on, the pants gets his some boots, boots on. At a minimum. And then um, maybe that too. He grabs his fox head medallion. By this point, he's figured out this is what made it so Melaine couldn't channel sorry, Moraine couldn't channel at me when she tried to heal me. And he's never heard of shadow spawn channeling, but there are a thing as black Aja. So yeah. you can never be too careful. He's gonna keep that on. And now he ducks outside and almost immediately gets his head taken off by Trolloc. Almost. They're under attack. Yeah. I, I want to clarify where your uh, syntax was there. He almost immediately gets his head taken It's right. not that he almost, almost immediately gets his head chopped <laughs> off. He does not get his head chopped off, but it's a near thing. He uses his spear then to deal with that Trolloc pretty efficiently. It goes on to attack a couple others. He sees Trollocs and Aiel fighting all around him. He also sees other men fighting Aiel. So, dark friends. There are dark friends in the camp as well, not just Trollocs. And some of the dark friends are shouting out a battle cry. Samael! Samael and the Golden Bees! Uh, okay. Samael's not a good guy. <laughs> Who's Samael? It's a Forsaken. Yeah, and where do we know he is? Ilian. Yes. Matt swiftly moves to engage other Trollocs. He takes out a couple more, and then a Merdral comes up. Ah, great. Then they go head to head. No real problem for Matt. He takes out the Merdral. Boom! Melindra is there, sees it. She's like, dude. Yeah, she's I looking like and going, it. you know, after all this, let's go back for round two. Yeah, pretty much. Dude, that was a turn on. She does say, though, but, but what was that thing you cried out about? Uh, Kara Kala something. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Didn't say anything. Nope. Just something I heard. I, I thought it was cool. I, I made it I up actually. It thought it'd be cool to have my own catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, he's been spouting old tongue again. <sighs> but the battle's done. They have clearly conquered all of these. They didn't really have the numbers. This group had no chance. So what was the point? Was Samael sending Trollocs and Dark Friends here? Okay, maybe, but no one attacks without a purpose and the purpose couldn't have been winning because they didn't send nearly enough so why did they do it well we jump to finish the chapter over to rand's pov and we learn the reason behind the attack because mm -hmm. when the wards are triggered rand gets out of his tent he's what's okay there's an attack coming i heard the birds over there and over there so we know where they're at and there's nothing by him his aiel go rushing off to where the battling is happening so he's left alone here, just kind of looking off into the distance at what's going on. He hears Avienda come out of the tent behind him then, and he turns back to her, but she's not looking at him. No. She's looking to the side where there's a Drakkar. Yo, it's a vampire. And it's crooning at her, and she's like slowly moving towards him, which is what happens when you are getting sucked in by the Drakkar's song. So Rand, of course uses his finger and zap yeah Rand just casts a teeny little yes teeny little bale fire disintegrate ray that's right drakkar is gone poof and she snaps out of it shakes it off turns back to rand and then sends a blast of flames 
billowing at him and he's like oh crap and dives out of the way avienda casts fireball and then he gets up and he is ticked what kind of thanks is that i just saved you from that thing and you're gonna what are you doing and she is peeved for good reason how dare you assume that i'm some just irrational woman who now throws flames at you for no reason look behind you idiot he turns around and sees the other Drakkar that was now burnt one. to a crisp, thanks to Avienda. It's like, next time you can deal with your own issues. And she storms back into the tent. And he's like, uh, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. He's like, how do I you'll apologize? Uh, they don't. Because he's, he's talking to her. She's in the tent. He's not in the tent. He's like, are you back in bed now? Because, you know, she's naked. And he doesn't want to just go back in. Um... I'm sorry. Is it okay? Can I come back in now? And she's not talking to him anymore. <laughs> the wise ones and Egwene approach at this point, and Rand explains what happened. They came because they felt Avienda's channeling. And Egwene pretty quick picks up, okay, so she's back in there. You're out here. You got her upset again, didn't you? You idiot. And she goes into the tent to talk to Avienda. I like how she just goes, she's channeling, and you got her upset. This is all your fault disregarding the fact that there's still a flaming Drakkar corpse there. I know the Balefired mm. one doesn't exist anymore, but one of them is still in existence, kind of. The Wise Ones can see there's nothing that needs to be dealt with anymore here, though. Clearly, this matter is over. So they, they head down to the rest of the camp to see if there's anyone who has needs down there. Moraine and Lan then approach. Rand's like, oh, now you come. Usually when something's happening, you come a little sooner. She's like, I don't tell you everything I'm doing. I never yet have explained all my actions, but I can see that you handle things here and it's good that you are able to survive without my help sometimes. Foreshadowing. <gasps> and they leave. Nothing else to do for Moraine and Lan. It's like a cameo. Then the maidens return to the camp and they are mortified to see this burned Drakkar on the ground. Yeah. We are so sorry. We failed you, Randall Thor. We were here to guard you. We heard the attack. There was nothing happening here. We went to help and left you unguarded. And this is what happened. And they hold, they each hold out a spear to him. Do as you wish. Do as you should. We accept your judgment. And he's like, stupid Aiel and their respect and Giotto thing. What? Just go back to guarding the tent. He doesn't want to deal with this at all. And he walks off. Not far. Just walks a little away from his tent to Asmodian's tent, which is nearby. And Asmodian kind of peeks out from the tent. Uh, I, I hope you're okay that I didn't try to help. Rand's mm -hmm. like, no, no, that was probably a smart move. Yeah. If I'd sense you channeling, You'd I probably would have killed you. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I kind of thought of that. <laughs> but Rand shares then what's been reported to him by now, that this was an attack from Samael. That's what's being shared about. That's what dark friends were shouting. And Asmodian's like, Samael isn't known to throw men away. He's a good strategist. But he will do anything if he believes it's worth the cost. Rand, however, is confident it was Samuel. Hmm. He says he's just trying to bait me like he did at Surendahar. And then internally, he's, oh, crap. Asmodian recognizes that city. Yeah. That's a battle from the War of Power. And he's like, yeah. I never knew that happened like that. Huh. Now, granted, um, there's an interesting piece here where Asmodian doesn't know that that happened that way. But someone other than Samael could and be using that against Rand and against Samael. We don't know it's Samael. 
and they don't know for sure either. They talk about it actually for a couple of hours, trying to figure out what was really this was all about, what was going on. They don't come to any definitive conclusion. As Modine is leaning towards it was a different Forsaken. This is a setup, trying to get Samael and Rand pitted against each other to go on a full-off attack and, and hopefully take each other out. Rand, he's still leaning towards, no, I think this was Samael. I don't know why, but, but I do. Eventually, Rand returns to his tent. The Aiel, still there protecting, are like, we still need to talk about what we failed to do. And he's like, nothing, nothing. Forgiven and forgotten already, all right? Let it go. Yeah, that sounds like Aiel. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. He enters into his tent, ready to get some sleep, finally. And that's where the chapter ends. That's where our content ends. Almost. And my timer says two hours and one minute. Oh, yeah, so, so. we got to go real fast to the spoiler room. We got this. All right. First time reader. We will see you Bye. next time. We appreciate you. You don't want to be here anymore. But for the others... The spoiler room. So I'm going <laughs> to roll this fun die. Uh, I call it a fun die because last week uh, I had to roll a sleight of foot check, which yeah. means that I rolled it with my foot and I got a 20. So we're going to see if it still lives up to its uh, power. All right. Well, I better roll one too then. Here we go. Not bad. I got a, again, what is that? 18. He needs his glasses. You got an 18? It's one of the best I've had in a long time. Dang, it beats my 17. Oh, I even beat a big one. That's awesome. All right, there's a lot, obviously, that we could touch on here. I'm going to go with the young Talon Vorbit. Mm. And simply, this is already foreshadowing the fact that Talon Vor and Morghese are going to get together. Okay, now... What's going on here is she makes references right here already on ways that he reminds her of Gareth Bryn. The way he's stubborn, the way he is feeling passionately about what he believes. She sees that in him already, but she doesn't want to see anything like that in him. So by playing him off as young Talonvor, she's separating herself from what otherwise might be her falling in with another bad choice of a man. She's got a pattern of this. And the last thing she wants to do is be anything with another guy. So young Talonvor. So it's not even an option. It's ridiculous. Let's not talk about that. That's what's already being and it's subconscious for her she's not like oh this could be the next guy but i don't want it to be the next guy she's not thinking like that no this is coming out as a subconscious reaction a protection mechanism because yeah later on they're gonna totally get married and <gasps> yeah it's gonna be great it'll be finally the right guy he worships the ground she walks on but at the same time he's not afraid to tell her quit being an idiot it's a good match it'll take a long time to get there most a bit of, of a the slog, rest of the series but eventually so that's mine what do you got uh i want to talk about the nick uh i want to talk yeah. about pat and fane cutting himself with the dagger and being fine uh not because i want to talk about pat and fane not really uh because we can go into why that is but the further step is this is showing what will be pat and fane's downfall as well because in showing pat and fane nicks himself he's fine he's showing that certain like built-up tolerance immunity to shadow logoth stuff this itty ickiness. We've only seen one other character really interact with all this, and that's Matt. Mm -hmm. Skip way out to the end, and Matt's able to kill him because he's immune to Shadow Logoth's shit. <laughs> and so it's quite literally showing. It's something that always, to me, initially, was like, 
okay, like I can explain and see this and make it work, but I feel like we didn't really like see reasons and explanations to say that that would be the case. It just happened to work out that way. And I'm like, I'm down for it, but okay, this is a scene that shows us, no, no, there was already some plan that people already deeply affected with some of this aren't affected anymore. Not in the same they way. They become inoculated. A little yeah. bit. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. Long, long episode. We both got our spoilers in. Let me run the outro. Let's do it. We talked through some of this at the beginning of the episode, but it's all the ways that you can connect with us. Uh, Review back to the beginning or the notes or what you see on the screen or these little things that we're saying of uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, uh, Discord, Patreon, all the things. Reach out to us directly. Subscribe. subscribe. Like. We're trying to get to that thousand. We'll get there in some number of years. Maybe singular. Maybe more. Probably less than a decade. I don't know. We'll find out. I need to redo this ending at some point, though, so I can add Mastodon in, but also change the music because it gets louder and louder. It's actually hard to hear us in the end. All right, everybody, thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next time.